Good Monday to you and welcome inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser and you're listening to the Monday edition of The Grind. I'm excited to be back in here after a fun weekend of sports. I mean, now we have baseball, we have basketball, we have uh, we have hockey. Uh, again, I'm going to save a little bit of that for tomorrow when Jeffy Mack can be in here with me talking. But, uh, you know, excited for what the weekend looked like. Uh, a lot of things to talk about, a couple stories that I hit up on social media uh, that, that I said would be topics today, and they will. So going to meet that uh, requirement as I've driven that home. But, uh, y- you know, it's <laughs> with anything that's been gone for a while and there's time to think, I think things get a little hairy. And, you know, whether that comes via NFL players opting out of 2020 and one certain team that's without one certain player that's certainly considered as one of the greatest of all time being the leader. I like talking about that. Uh, There's a Pac-12 group of players that have decided to to forego and and maybe not play in 2020 if they don't get some demands met. Um, I didn't know that's how college football worked, but we'll talk about it here shortly. And then uh, Major League Baseball. Uh, the St. Louis Cardinals now have some positive tests, and they have they have they have kind of held up their production a little bit. And the Marlins set to come back live tomorrow, uh, so maybe it's it's the revolving situation to where um, each each week there will be a different team that necessarily sits in that chair. Uh, NBA uh, the the bubble is very uh, successful from a COVID standpoint and and some teams are, are having a really good go of it being in in the bubble I love that uh, on the score sheet I've, I've been trying to track some some leaders and and some things like that and if you look on the score sheet it gives their their whole uh, season re- like record which is kind of rough on me because I'm like well how many of these are in the bubble because they've just been playing for about four days so anyway that that's just my uh, that's my uh how I would like data collected. So uh, what, that's just my soapbox for today. But I tell you, scores are going way up uh, in the bubble. If you look at uh, Friday's games, not a single game uh, was under the 110 mark. Uh, and a couple of them, Rockets, Mavericks, they went to overtime, but 153 to four, 149. What? I mean, that's like two and a half college games. Straight up. Now, granted, they play a whole extra few minutes uh, in, in the professional ranks as college plays two 20-minute halves. They play four 15-minute quarters. I get it. I get it. But still, I'm like, did, was there any defense played at that point? So, anyway, that's that's a soapbox for a different day. But kind of looking at baseball, let's open up with baseball. Uh, Major League Baseball scores from Friday, the, the – uh, the Yankees-Red Sox series was this weekend, uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. 
Uh, Yankees did a really good job in that series. And, and yesterday, I thought, uh, was going to get upended um, by the Boston Red Sox as they jump out to a really good lead. And nonetheless, the Yankees were able to rally on the heels of two Aaron Judge home runs uh, to really just separate and get a, get a big-time victory there last night. But if you look at Friday's matchups, Yankees down the Red Sox 5-1. to one. Braves top the Mets 11-10, to 10, uh, able to outrun a team. That's what you like to see. Former Mets catcher Travis D'Arnard uh, drove in five runs, including three with bases loaded uh, to help beat the Mets 11-10. to 10. The Tigers knocked down the Reds 7-2 to 2 on an 11-hit outing. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays fall to the Baltimore Orioles. The Yankees like to see that 6-3. to 3. Orioles get 12 hits in the matchup. Big, big stat, no errors. As Santander uh, hits unique home run, has three RBIs as the Orioles top the Rays. The White Sox knock off the the Royals 3 to 2. Padres top the Rockies 8 to 7. The Twins beat the Indians 4 to 1. Cubs over the Pirates 6 to 3. Rangers fall to the San Francisco Giants 9 to 2. Flores homers to get the Giants going in a 9 to 2 win over those Rangers. Two errors for the Giants, but not enough as the Rangers just couldn't get hot. The Astros knock off the Angels 9 to 6. Uh, Tucker drives in four runs as the Astros lead the way. Kyle Tucker hit a, had three hits and a career-high four RBIs as the Houston Astros started a 10-game road stretch with a victory over the Angels. The Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers 5-3. The Mariners beat the, the Athletics 5-3. And again, some postponement were the, the Cardinals-Brewers game, the Phillies-Blue Jays game, and the Nationals marlins series uh, again some of those have been rescheduled and played in different order but as scheduled uh, that was to happen friday july 31st saturday's games uh, saturday's slate of games saw the white Sox over the royals 11 to 5 the angels snap back and get the astros 5 to 4 uh, the yankees topped the red Sox to to win game two of the series uh, 5 to 2 the mets fall to the braves 7 to 1 the Indians can't get going against the Twins as the Twinkies knock off the Indians three to nothing. The Rays struggling against the Orioles. Orioles beat the Tampa Bay Rays five to four, as the Rays have now lost four in a row. As pinch hitter Pat Valeka uh, singled in a winning run in the eleventh inning for Baltimore. So again, five to four Orioles victory over the Tampa Bay Rays. The Dodgers knock down the Diamondbacks eleven to two. The Rockies get back on track against the Padres 6-1. to The Pirates continue to struggle against the Cubs. Cubs get the best 4-3. to The Giants knock down the Rangers 7-3. to Athletics best the Mariners 3-2. to And again, Reds no play Tigers. Phillies no play Blue Jays. And Nationals, Marlins, and Phillies Blue Jays all postponed from Saturday's slate. Yesterday, the games didn't get started till just after lunch. I know that because I made plans according to that. Uh, we got out and did some tax-free weekend stuff. And I hope if you, if you got out and did some of that stuff, that you, that you stayed healthy, uh, you, you did what you needed to do, you, you got in, got out, and, uh, and, and I hope that we're not going to see some big negative effects coming out of this thing. But 
But nonetheless, we went out, we did our thing, you know, got the uh, the tax-free thing going on, got all the school supplies, which, by the way, I feel like school supplies, that's a that's an ever-evolving thing because I remember like two years ago, Jackson starting kindergarten, and it's like, we need seven packs of Ticonderoga number 17 pencils. And I'm like, I didn't even know there was such thing as a number 17 pencil. And that was like the, the leader in the in the clubhouse there was like some Clorox wipes and and a and some Kleenexes and some baby wipes and and a pack of markers and maybe some crayons but that was like the extent of it right no big deal you know you can kind of pick up that stuff along the way you kind of get a good idea so we for for Neelan which is my youngest you know we're ready to we're ready to get him in school and if anybody ever questioned my Tennessee fandom there you go my youngest son's name's Neelan but um, but anyway, uh, we're, we kind of knew what we had had to get together for Jackson. So we had kind of been accumulating that we'd been doing it like real time, you know, like, oh yeah, we know we're going to need these. So let's go ahead and get them. And of course, with the pandemic coming in, some of those things have become more scarce than others, i.e. Lysol, Clorox wipes, etc. But this year, it's a it's a whole different gamut. Every kid's got to bring like two two things of hand sanitizer, and every kid's got to bring like a thing of Lysol spray, and then Clorox wipes. And I'm like, are we going to school or being a janitor? And I, I'm kind of joking, but I'm kind of serious. Uh, I feel like you know, with the shortage that is all of those different supplies, it's kind of tough for every student in every county in every state to to kind of require multiple of any of this stuff. But nonetheless, we get out, uh, we see the gnashing of teeth, we see the fighting, uh, and then we get on home. Uh, I mean, that was we were in and out, uh, did our thing, and, and was home by, by noon to have lunch and get ready for some really good baseball. Uh, but Sunday did not disappoint as well as the Reds snap back on the Tigers. Uh, Reds show a little sign of life, 4-3 to three over the Tigers. That gets them back closer to 500 they're now three and five one and one on the road uh tigers fall to five and four three and three at their home ballpark a seven inning double header debut uh is kind of what what was the on target there and i like that rule if you're gonna play two games in one day if you cut that down to not to seven innings I i just think it's better for anybody one there's no fans in the stands so i don't know what you're gaining on the other but I think it, it, it makes everything a little bit more fluid and it doesn't wear these guys out because they're probably uh, they're going to turn around and play probably Tuesday. So uh, I, I think the Reds um, and the Tigers both needed uh, these seven innings. But the, the Reds get the first matchup four to three. The Rays, three straight losses to the Orioles, uh, five to one in the first series sweep for the Orioles since 2018. Alberto doubled in the tie-breaking run in the seventh inning, uh, and uh, basically Nunez uh, kind of helped finish the deal. But five to one on a 12-hit day, uh, the Orioles are now five and three, three and two at home. The Rays have skid to four and six, zero oh and five away from their home ballpark. The New York Mets continued to struggle against the the hot and smoking Atlanta Braves. Uh, four to nothing is the Sunday final. Seven and three now. The Braves are five and zero oh at home. Uh, the Mets skid to three and seven, two and three 
away from the Big Apple. Braves beat the Mets 4 to nothing for the fifth win in a row. Kyle Wright and the Atlanta bullpen combined on a 10-hit shutout, and the Braves won their fifth straight. Uh, White Sox topped the Royals 9-2. The White Sox now 5-4, 4-2 on the road. Royals skid to 3-7, 0-3 at home. Uh, looks like Looks like White Sox had one of their first big league hits as one of their new prospects, Nick Madrigal, I think I'm saying his name right, had the first four hits of his promising big league career right here in this matchup. 14 hits for the White Sox over the Royals. (laughs) Jason Ward asked me a question. Bigger disappointment so far, Red Sox or Tampa? I'm just happy that they're all in the AL East, Jason. I just really like that they're all struggling right there. Honestly, honestly, I see promise uh, in the Red Sox, and and so I think I think the Red Sox have reason uh, to be struggling a little bit. You know, they're without Mookie Betts, their 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 bullpen. They're really trying to struggle to cut those last couple pieces. So I think they're looking to do it there. I don't understand, and maybe it's because I'm not a Rays fan. And if anybody out there is, please let me know. But I don't understand why the Rays are struggling. So, so in my opinion, the bigger the bigger disappointments the Tampa Bay Rays at this point, especially when you get swept by Baltimore. I don't know if that's that's cat and mouse. I don't know if that's that's putting us right where where they want us. But to me, it's one thing to get swept. It's another thing to get swept by the Orioles. And so, to me, the Rays are in a in a in a market all their own when you come to disappointment. So, I, I don't know what's going to lend to that. But at the same rate, I, I thought the Red Sox, I thought especially last night, I thought they showed a lot of good reasons why small ball is going to be their way to go and why they've got a pretty good pitching crew uh, that just uh, they don't understand to walk Aaron Judge. You know, if they felt like – if they knew they could do that and get to Torres because uh, he's not really – he's not hitting real well right now, uh, I think they would have been a lot better off. But uh, they chose to throw a couple down the pipe, and uh, he chose to send them – uh, basically to New Jersey. So anyway, that was what happened last night. But the Indians, uh, next game on the docket, the Minnesota Twins 3-1 to one over the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland has now fallen to 5-5. Five and five. They're 1-3 and three away from Cleveland. And the Twins are now 7-2, 5-1 at home. Garver and the Twins lean on the bullpen for the two-hitter to top the Indians 3-1. to one. Seven hits on the night, one error for the Twins, but that is enough to get the victory over the Cleveland Indians. The Cubs topped the Pirates 2-1 to one in really a, a, a pitcher's duel, if you will. Both teams combined for just a total of 10 hits, and Javier Baez singled through a drawn-in infield in the 11th inning to score David Bodie. Uh, David Bodie was a, a big-time uh Smokey at one time. I remember he was there for a few years, so good to see him up there and doing well for the Cubbies. The Padres fall to the Rockies. Rockies got a, got a loss there Friday night and didn't look back. Six and two are now the Rockies. Two and one in their home ballpark. Nine uh, to six victory over the Padres. Talking about the Cubs and Pirates, a pitcher's duel. Well, the Rockies-Padres was a hitter's duel as they combined for 22 hits on the affair. The Rangers knocked down the San Francisco Giants 9-5. The Rangers improved to 3-5 on the season. Giants fall to 500 at 5-5. They're 3-3 at home as well, so they're just even Stevens across the board. Gallo and Chu Homer, as Rangers avoid the sweep, 
but Willie Calhoun hit a tie-breaking sack fly after the Giants walked the bases loaded in in the later innings. So the Dodgers knocked down the Diamondbacks three to nothing. The Astros beat the Angels six to five. Uh, Bregman's eleventh inning RBI sends the Astros past the Angels six to five. I tell you, the standing man on second has begun to uh, make an impact. Uh, I'll tell you, a lot of these guys are. Uh, you know, sacrifice flies and different things that's moving the runner and uh, and really making it easier uh, to get a run in there in extra innings, which in in the Astros' defense, which you won't hear that very much this season, the Angels also have had a, a guy on second, just couldn't get him in. The Athletics knocked down the Mariners 30, or 30, 3-2. to two. That's a lot better, right? 3-2 to two in a five-hit all affair. Uh, five and four are now the Athletics, two and one on the road. The Mariners fall to four and six, now one and two uh, at their home ballpark. The Reds on their double hitter, they make the best of the day when both both seven-inning doubleheader matchups, both seven-inning doubleheader pieces go by the way of the Cincinnati Reds as they knock down the Detroit Tigers four to nothing. Eleven monster hits in the matchup to two for the Tigers. The Reds get uh, two back on the day. They're now four and five, two and one on the road. And the Tigers fall by the end of the day to five and five, three and four at their home ballpark. Uh, the nightcap was the Yankees Red Sox matchup. And, and like I said, you know, I watched this game and, I, and I'm sitting there and I see Judge's home run. And that's, that's his fifth home run in five games. And, and he's, he's, he's kind of tracking uh, some Lou Gehrig records. You know, he had eight straight games with a home run. And, and it's 2 nothing Boston in the first, and I'm like, uh-oh. The Yankees come out, and, and really early on, uh, Judge gets on the board, makes that fifth straight game. It goes to 3-2 Yanks, and then Boston steams back in the third and gets it to 5-3, to and then in the bottom of the third, uh, kind of draw it back to 5-all. And then it's kind of a cat-and-mouse game from that point on. Nobody scores in the fourth, 1-1 one one in the fifth, nobody scores in the sixth, and then in the seventh, the Red Sox get one up on them uh, to get to seven runs, and the Yankees do not answer in the bottom of the seventh. So I'm like, uh-oh, this is not good. Uh, so they've got two innings to kind of recover. But at the same rate, Boston had showed a little bit of hit-and-run action uh, early on as it, as it went. So the seventh came, or the eighth came, I'm sorry, no runs for Boston, and then they get in the bottom of the eighth. And I'm like, Okay, well, this is pretty nice. I mean, if you look at the lineup, who who was gonna who was gonna come up? It was it was Talkman, Lemayhew, and Judge. And I went, well, Talkman's kind of the bottom of the lineup, but he he always did really well when he was with the Rockies. So I was like, okay, we'll give him a shot. Well, he kind of beats out a throw, and he's on first. Well, next thing you know, he's still in second. Kind of busted up the double play. Like that move just in, in that regard. Uh, LeMayhew knocks him knocks him on in, which LeMayhew is probably the unsung leader uh, of, this, of this hitting crew. Now, Judge is the show pony. Judge is going to come in and gank one out, out and put it, like I said, uh, drive it on home to New Jersey. But LeMayhew was clutch last night a mu- multiple times. Uh, I can't tell you how many times two, two out innings – Got extended and allowed Aaron Judge to come up and attempt to do something with it, and and, and in the eighth inning was no different. Uh, Talkman gets the second ba- via steal. Lemayhew's on first, uh, or Lemayhew uh, gets the first 
given the uh, the Talkman uh, go around there after the the pretty long base hit, and so it's a tie ball game. It's seven all, and uh, here comes Aaron Judge. LeMay Hughes on first, Judge at the plate, two outs. You're like, uh-oh. This is either going to be a really big moment for the Yankees or going to be a really, you know, kind of a not, – not a deathly blow because you still had the bottom of the ninth to be able to do something with the tie ball game now. But then um, it, it's, uh, it's pitch up and high, ball. Pitch low and inside, ball. And then I don't know what happened, but uh, Mr. Barnes um, decided uh, that he was going to test the judge in the judge's chambers. He was going to knock on that door. He he delivers one that that was supposed to be, I guess, high and inside, and it was about low and perfect. And Judge just drove it on home, and 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 it was amazing uh, to see that thing get out of there really quick. I think it's 468 feet, and it was one of those beauties. Uh, that got right on out of there. But 9-7 to seven was the, the final score as the Yanks held in the top of the ninth uh, as they're the home team was able to finish that one on out. Yankees now 7-1 and one, uh, on the season. Boston falls to 3-7. and seven. So, Jason, I, you know, I may be wrong. I, I, think, uh, I think you look at it and there's, there's, equal, um, there's equal reason uh, to be disappointed in both the Rays and the Red Sox. But I will say, given who – the Red Sox have lost the last three two. Uh, it, it honestly gives me a little bit of um, a little bit of, of edge to the to the Red Sox because I feel like uh, they're they're a little bit uh, they've they've been hit squarely in the face where the Orioles have uh, or where the Orioles uh, beating the Rays is just a you know blind squirrel kind of situation. Uh, Yankees do lead the ALE seven and one is their overall win loss record. They are ahead of the Orioles, who now sit in the second place by themselves by two games. They're four games ahead of the Rays and five games ahead of the Red Sox. Again, in a sixty-game season, those leads are larger than they look. The AL Central, led by the Twins, and the White Sox sit two games back in that division. The AL West is led by the Oakland Athletics and the Houston Astros as they sit tied with the Mariners a game and a half back. The National League, you look at NL East, the Braves lead by a game and a half over the Marlins. And again, kind of an asterisk on that one. The Nationals sit two and a half back as they as the Marlins have been delayed. They have some games to catch up on. The NL Central led by the Cubs at 7-2 and two overall record. They're ahead of the Brewers by two and a half games. And the NL West is led by the Rockies and the Dodgers as they sit evens and the Padres just one game back. So that's the MLB update for today. Gets you caught up on the weekend. Uh, Coming back tomorrow, we'll talk a little bit more with Jeffy Mack about what happens today and then ultimately uh, maybe maybe respond to to Jason's question just one more time. More disappointing, uh, er, the Rays? The Red Sox, or maybe Jeffy's Pirates. We'll talk about that all tomorrow as we grind into that one. But let's take us a break. Listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about football. We're going to talk about football players opting out of the season in college and in pros. What does that mean? And is it good for the sport? We'll talk about that on the flip. You're listening to the Monday edition of The Grind. We'll be back. You don't want to miss it. 
hometown alternative to Ordinary Sports Radio, 100.9 FM, 8.50 AM. Rocky Top Sports. Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maribel High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student-athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. At Rule King, we believe Christian churches and organizations make a huge difference in our communities. Now more than ever, it's critical to support these organizations. Rule King is honored to host Church Week. Through August 15th, Rule King will donate 10% of each valid Rule King receipts total to a registered Christian organization of your choice. Go to ruleking.com slash churchweek for details. And to our local Christian organizations, thanks for all the good you do. From your neighborhood Rule King, America's farm and home store. Have you heard about or seen the Grand's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grand from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. Got golf? Iguanifarmsgolf.com, 970-7132. Have you been asking yourself if it's time to take that business idea and make it a reality? Do you need help with marketing or getting a leg up on the competition? Then check out my friends at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville, a company invested in Blount County and ready to help. They can take your business to the next level. Mike, Jana, and the staff at 42nd Street are a dream to work with. And I'm proud to say that they built the grindonsports.com into what it is today. But if you need marketing and maybe don't know where to start, check out my guys at 42nd Street Marketing right here in Maryville. Their phone number is 
982-7007, or you can check out their work online, 42SD.com. Again, phone line is 865-982-7007 or online at 42SD.com. Check them out. I think you'll be glad you did. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM. Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKVL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Monday edition of the grind. I, I'm looking here and I'm wanting to talk about the Pac-12 group and, and then talk a little bit about these NFL players opting out of 2020. And I'll be honest with you, I, I, I don't probably, I probably won't have the most politically correct answer that you're going to hear on this topic. Uh, basically, Tom Van Haren, uh, ESPN staff writer, this is his article that, I, that I'm pulling from, but it says a group of Pac-12 football players from multiple schools penned a letter in the Players' Tribune, threatening to opt out of fall camp and game participation unless their demands for fair treatment, safety regulations, and concerns over injustice for college athletes are met by the conference. The letter is signed by the players of the Pac-12 and used the hashtag WeAreUnited to explain the group's concern, saying, because NCAA sports exploit college athletes physically, economically, and academically, and also disproportionately harms uh, athletes, we are united. A number of players, including Oregon offensive lineman Penne Sewell, uh, also sent tweets out uh, the letter and the hashtag on Sunday. Uh, again, it, and, and I understand that this is the times that we're living in, and I understand that there is a real problem uh, that needs to be addressed with, with racial inequality, racial injustice, uh, all the all the dynamics that have been voiced and have been agreed upon that that there is an issue and that we need to move forward. But the problem is the demands uh, that that came with it. Washington cornerback Elijah Molden, a projected first round pick, offered a few more tempered views, uh, writing in a tweet Sunday that while he fully supports the sentiment of the boycott and agrees with most of the demands, there are some demands that seem unrealistic and far fetched given the context of the situation, COVID, financial restrictions, etc. Instead of reacting quickly to the news, Molden urged players to see both sides and remember that the situation isn't binary. Uh, again, uh, UCLA starting quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson said on Twitter that he supports the group but won't opt out. Uh, multiple sources told ESPN that the group's top priorities are addressing, addressing uh, racial injustice as well as health and safety concerns. I'm trying to find the uh, the the demands that uh, that are out there, uh, but but here's the thing, and, and the thing is that they've listed the players' names, which I, I don't know that that was smart from a media standpoint, uh, but it, that is that is one of the the pieces that that's been put in this puzzle, but uh, a group of players from different campuses across the conferences began organizing the effort a little more than a month ago via Zoom calls. The players on those calls 
spread word to their teammates. Multiple sources have told ESPN that hundreds of Pac-12 football players have joined the effort. The athletes are asking the conference to form a permanent civic engagement task force to address social injustice issues as well as annual Pac-12 um, an annual, I'm assuming they want an annual Pac-12 Black College Athletes Summit uh, with at least three athletes from every school in the conference. In addition, the letter says the group wants the conference to direct 2% of conference revenue to support financial aid for low-income African-American students, communities, initiatives, and development programs for college athletes on campus. I have no problem with this one. This one is that, yeah, sure. I think these colleges should be pushing that anyway, but if it takes if it takes student-led initiative to get that done, then, then absolutely. They see all this clearly through the lenses of racial justice, says um, it's Ro, Romaji Huma, the founder of the College Athlete Advocacy Group called the National Collegiate Players Association. Huma said the NCPA provided information about current health and safety concerns along with other support while the Pac-12 players organized. He said the players reached out to him a little more than a month ago because they did not feel there was enough being done to the, ensure the health and safety of athletes returning to campus. I don't, I don't know what else. I mean, I don't know what's going on in Pac-12 country, but I know what's going on around here, and I'm like, what, what else could we do? Well, I mean, this side of spacesuits, I don't, I don't know where you go. Um, among the demands listed in the letter, the group starts by asking for safety protection amid coronavirus pandemic. Sure, whatever you need, up to and, and including spacesuits, if that's what it takes. Among those demands was allowing student-athletes to opt out of play during the pandemic without losing eligibility or a spot on the team, prohibiting any COVID-19 agreements that waive liability and player-approved health and safety standards enforced by a third party uh, selected by players to address COVID-19. This is where things get a little hairy. Here's the deal. You're on a, a athletic scholarship. You are giving four, given four years of eligibility. Choices change that. Uh, you know, and I, I, opting out of this season, yes, it's going to affect your eligibility. It's no different than if, it's, if a guy goes to USC and says, nope, I want to go play at Oklahoma. Well, he sits out a year and he goes and plays. You made a choice. You pay the penalty. You move on. So, one, I say no. If you opt out between this being a, a you know a, a business of sorts, the eligibility part that I, I don't I understand these are these are difficult times and different times, but to me, I feel like I feel like every university is going to be held accountable to state and and federal standards and protocol for COVID, which are approved standards and protocol. So again, if you make the choice be above and beyond that not to play, yes, uh, eligibility is gone. Uh, spot on the team. I think that's all. That's all. Um, you, you know, I think the spot on the team is one of those deals to where, yeah, hold on to their scholarship. I think they should keep that. But as far as spot, as far as starting position, that's up in the air because the guy that steps in and plays in 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 midst of this, if he shows out, shows up, why should he lose his spot next year? So anyway, that's where I stand on on that very portion of that. And then safety standard enforcement task force by a third party approved by the players again federal and state guidelines have been met or are, should be being met by the university so again i think that's just uh that's revenue that they can't get back uh because we 
because we should not be stuck with sports-related medical expenses, including COVID-19, uh, we are united, it reads. I, I don't know of anybody, and, and like I said, I'm not an athlete. I, I was not a college athlete. So, again, I, I may be my cup's half full when it comes to talking about universities, but uh, a lot of times when, when they're on, on, you know, on scholarship, they don't really have many medical needs that, that aren't met just in general. But the group is also asking Conference Commissioner Larry Scott, administrators and coaches, to drastically reduce excessive pay and end performance bonuses in order to help preserve existing sports. In addition to those financial requests, the student-athletes are demanding guaranteed medical expense coverage for six years after their college eligibility ends. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know where the, this drives from. I know that there's some lingering issues when people leave college and, and, and that they still have to deal with post-college. And I think that is that is that is admirable and that, that's something that can be looked at. But demanding is always my strong word. Like, um, I've always used the – and I'm not calling these kids uh, terrorists, but I've always used the mantra, I don't, I don't, I don't uh, negotiate with terrorists. Uh, I think there's there's civil ways to address this, and I think there's ways to bring this to the table besides a uh, a boycott situation to where do this or I do that. So I'm a I, I don't know that I, I really like that. I think that is a the medical expense thing six years post. I mean, you talk to some of these offensive linemen that don't get an NFL opportunity. Uh, their knees, their their you know their their mental you know the the whole deal from just taking that beating for four years it is impacted. So so I don't want to say that I don't like the the dynamic of the post college career uh, medical. I just demanding and and at this forum is where I I, I draw the line. The group is also asking the Pac-12 to distribute 50% of each sports conference revenue evenly among athletes in their respective sport to give six years athletic scholarship for the ability to transfer one time without any any cause. So this is where I call this fringe. This is where the fringe kicks in. Uh, the 50% of conference revenue has nothing to do with COVID or player safety or injustice for that matter. I mean, people argue and, and, and I can be, I can argue, I can, I can, let's just say diplomatically disagree, um, about this for a long time. I feel like, uh, you know, you think that the the universities don't don't uh, give a platform for these kids to be successful? I I don't see anybody coming to the local rec league uh, watching for NFL players. So what I'm saying is is uh, these these universities give a platform uh, for them to make it to the NFL, for them to make it to the NBA, et cetera, so on and so forth, whatever that professional level of your respective sport. So. This is where it goes beyond COVID. This goes beyond 2020. Uh, this is just. This is just. We're gonna make this stink. We might as well make it worth it. Fifty percent of conference revenue, uh, six years of athletic scholarship, and the ability to transfer once without without penalty. That's where they lose me. Uh, you know, I'm I'm about being about what you're about and not fringing this thing and and juicing it, if you will, uh, for an opportunity. Uh, to make the most of it. Yuma said the players are aware that if the Pac-12 meet their demands, that the conference would not be eligible to participate in NCAA-sanctioned competition because they would be paying players. Right now, it's clear that conferences don't need the NCAA. Each conference is an industry unto itself, Yuma said. 
The players are saying we're fine in our conference, doesn't belong in the NCAA at all. We need to be treated fairly. I'll, I'll continue to beat the drum of fair is a very, very volatile word. The demands were released Sunday. The Pac-12 said in a statement Saturday uh, that, that it is yet to hear from the group. Neither the conference nor our university athlete, athletic departments have been contacted by this group. Uh, regarding these topics, a Pac-12 statement said, we support our student-athletes using their voice and having regular communication with our student-athletes as many different levels on a range of topics. As we've clearly stated with respect to our fall plans, we are and always will be directed by medical experts with the health, safety, and well-being of our student-athletes, coaches, and staff as a first priority. We have made it clear that any student-athlete who chooses not to return to competition for health or safety reasons will have their scholarships protected. In a news release Sunday, the group said it included hundreds of Pac-12 football players uh, that, that basically said this. Um, hundreds of Pac-12 football players who are very concerned with the risk of COVID-19 pose personal health and health of our families and communities. There's not enough transparency about health risks, no uniformity that, to ensure we're all safe when we play each other and no adequate enforcement infrastructure. Uh, I, again, when I saw this, I, I started hitting Facebook like hardcore. And one thing I saw was, is I saw Clay Travis. And, and it says, it says, I'm fascinated. This is Clay Travis talking. He said, I'm fascinated to see how woke sports media reconciles Pac-12 football players demanding half of all football revenue. When if schools do that, Title IX is violated and women's college sports effectively cease to exist. Because again, you can't do it all. So at what are at where are you going to cut? He said it's a fallacy to claim top college coaches in football and basketball are overpaid because coaches drive up revenue and profit by winning. Lesser coaches equals lesser wins and less revenue. Players benefit immensely by top coaches when you look at their future earnings. Uh, that's capitalism. And he says, the problem I see with Pac-12 players' demands is most of them don't appear to realize they aren't competing in for-profit businesses. Many of their demands may well be illegal to provide under existing federal law, most significantly Title IX. I think it's a, it is a, a pretty interesting question to bring up, is, is where do you draw the line? Again, I say, I say applaud them uh, for the opportunity uh, to opt out, protect their scholarship. Again, I don't think you should, you should have your, your spot on the team protected because, again, somebody's going to step into that place. Somebody's going to take that risk, and I think at that point they have earned the right to earn that spot, period scholarship or whatever you work you can work hard next year and see if you can't get it back so I, I applaud that because again we don't know the friend we don't know the outliers we don't know that this player's grandmother has respiratory issues we don't know that he has a, a ch young child that has respiratory issues all of that is very valid but what what diminishes for me the the request or or as they're calling it demands is just that that they're saying, I have to have this money. I want this. I want more years of eligibility. I want, I want, I want. You know what? You probably also want a scholarship. You probably also want an avenue to get yourself to the NFL. You probably also want a, a place to where they're taking 
immensely good care of you where you are not wanting for very much at all. I mean, just and, – and, again, I'm using the, the right down the street uh, orange and white version of this. But, I mean, uh, Laura, my wife, w- was in class with a lot of, lot, of, lot of athletes. She worked at the Thornton Athletic Center. These guys are taken care of from a tutoring standpoint, from a, from a clothing standpoint, from a food standpoint, from a housing standpoint, and from just quite frankly, you're a, you're a college athlete. So you're a pretty happening guy or lady. But, uh, you, you know, I think as you look down this list, there's a lot of things that, yes, is it, is it, is it something to talk about? Absolutely. Is is the the prolonged medical? Is that something that as a as a a group of of athletes you can push toward your conference or the NCAA to get that get that looked at? Absolutely. But to pigeonhole this, and that's a that's a very country uh, slogan. But to pigeonhole this into you do this or I'm not going to play, and and maybe it's my controversial nature, uh, but I say don't play. I say, you know, if you're going to be about it, believe about it and don't play. And and I don't think that's the case that's going to come down. I'm interested in how this unfolds. I'm interested in how the Pac-12 responds. And then I'm interested in how the other conferences will respond in, in lieu of. Uh, I, know, I know Jake Bentley, a former South Carolina quarterback, is at Utah now, and he kind of spoke to it a little bit. He's not exactly – in this group, but at the same rate, he's he's not necessarily gonna gonna bash the group. And again, I applaud them for standing up. I just feel like you know. And, and again, this this goes back to their 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 representatives for their little player union. This goes to their representatives that that said you know, hey, let's go about it this way. I think they needed more direction, but at the same rate, this is the narrative that's out there. And that's kind of where I sit on it. I, I feel like you gotta you gotta get in where you fit in, and, and you've got to understand the dynamic of 2020. The financial side alone is just shows that there wasn't a ton of conversation about that uh, going in uh, to what's going to be this fall. There there is inherent risk. There is risk of of spread, but at the same rate, uh, winter until there's a full blown like eradication of COVID, I don't know that anybody feels comfortable at any point. And, and I think that goes down to the, to the, the fan level. Uh, I mean, I think people want to be in stadiums, but they don't want to be in stadiums, if that makes sense. They want to go to games, but they're afraid of who else is going to be going to the games. So I think that's a dynamic all its own, and I think that's something that's going to have to be talked about as the season and as the fall approaches. But let's take our last break of the day, listen to these great sponsors. When we come back, we're going to talk about NFL teams opting out. Everybody almost has one, but the New England Patriots have a lot. They have eight players now that have opted out. Is that that a certain rodent escaping a sinking ship? Or is that legitimately New England is a hotbed? We'll talk about it all on the flip side of the break. You're listening to The Grind, Monday edition, right here, 100.9 FM, 850 AM, and streaming at WKBL.com. We'll be right back. Buying
Buying a home is one of the biggest financial decisions you will ever make, and it can be overwhelming, but Donna Cry at Mortgage Investors Group is committed to making your home buying experience a pleasure. Donna Cry is my personal home mortgage specialist. MIG is rated number one in residential mortgage lenders in Tennessee. Are you considering a new home? Then use who I trust, Donna Cry with Mortgage Investors Group in Maryville. Whether you're buying your first home or your fifth, Donna will help you put your home ownership plans into action. Call Donna at 865-984-9948 or go to DonnaCry.com. MIG is an equal housing lender. In response to the COVID-19 coronavirus outbreak and in what the Blunt Partnership sees is the best interest of its visitors, employees, and community, Taste of Blunt, slated for September 10th in Maryville, the Townsend Fall Festival scheduled for September 25th and 26th at the Townsend Visitor Center, and the Best of Blunt Awards, booked in October, are canceled. The events will not be rescheduled in 2020. These fall events are cherished productions that the community looks forward to annually, but the current environment is not conducive to holding large events where physical distancing is difficult. Are you looking for a place to relax and have fun after work or a place to fill the weekend fun? Check out the Party Pub in the heart of Maryville. They open at 7.30 a.m. and have daily drink specials. They have darts, karaoke, and billiards daily, as well as Tennessee football each and every Big Orange Saturday in the fall. So check out the Party Pub on Ellis Avenue in downtown Maryville, a place where they treat you like family, and it's always a good time. In uncertain times, you can be certain of this. The Salvation Army is serving those most in need with help and hope. Thanks to your donations, the Salvation Army is helping those affected by COVID-19. Those who've lost wages, who have no home to retreat to, who need food, help with utilities, and most of all, hope. To see how you can continue to make a difference, visit SalvationArmyUSA.org. Have you heard about or seen the Grand's brand new user-friendly website? If the answer is no, I think you're kind of missing out. Our brand new website has ways to hook into the Grand from social media with links to Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and SoundCloud so you can grind it out with us on social media. But if you say, I don't like social media, but I like podcasts, we've got those too. You can download the Grind Podcast on Apple Podcasts and Google Play Music directly from the website. It's a one-stop shop for everything The Grind. Check us out online, thegrindonsports.com. That's thegrindonsports.com. 2020 has been anything but predictable, but there is one thing we can count on. Football will be back. Blunt Broadcasting is proud to remain the radio home for two of Tennessee's most successful high school football programs, Maribel High School and Alcoa High School. Each team looks to repeat as state champions, and your support is needed to get these great programs off and running here in 2020. So, if you or your business would like to support these great student athletes and great coaches, then help Blunt Broadcasting get their games on the radio. Give us a call and let WGAP and WKVL Radio get working for you. Give us a call at 865-724-1100. That's 865-724-1100. Or shoot us an email at info at WKVL.com. Let's work together to get your great business and these local high schools the exposure they have earned and deserve. The Blunt Partnership is committed to leading the Blunt County business community through this coronavirus outbreak. 
we will continue to be a resource for all businesses, as well as supplying up-to-date information for our community. Please check out our website for updated information at www.bluntchamber.com or search for Blunt Chamber on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We don't always promise to be perfect, but we promise to give you our honest opinion. This is sports radio from a fan's perspective. You're listening to The Grind on 100.9 FM, 850 AM, Rocky Top Sports. And welcome back inside the WKDL studios of Rocky Top Sports. I'm Wayne Kaiser, and you're listening to the Monday edition of The Grind. As we come out of our last break of the day, about eight minutes to go till the top of the hour, uh, talking a little NFL, uh, talking a little bit about the players that are opting out of 2020 for the NFL. If you, if you look at it, uh, the NFL and the NFL Players Association agreed to a plan that allowed players to opt out of the upcoming season if they are uncomfortable with COVID-19 health protocols. High-risk individuals could opt out and receive a $350,000 stipend, whereas those less at risk or just just needing to, to opt out via just not feeling comfortable, a $150,000 stipend would come their way. Players have the ability to opt out later in the season as well in the event that a family member becomes sick. Those that take the league up on their offer must provide the club with written notice of his election to opt out, and once given, the notice will be irrevocable for the remainder of the 2020 season. Uh, Here's how it looks if you go down the the list. The 49ers have yet to have one opt out. The Bears have defensive tackle Eddie Goldman. Bengals have defensive lineman Josh Tupo. Bills have defensive line star Lotalele. Uh, cornerback E.J. Gaines. The Broncos have Kyle Pecco, uh, defensive lineman. Brown have offensive tackle Drake Dorbeck and guard Drew Forbes. The Bucks have none. Cards have none. Chargers, none. Chiefs have Laurent DuVernay Tardif. Wow, that's a name right there. And then Damian Williams, running back. Uh, the Colts have none. The Cowboys have Maurice Kennedy, uh, Stephen Guidry, and Jamiz Olawale. Um, saying all those names the best of my ability. Cornerback, wide receiver, fullback. Dolphins have none. The Eagles, Marquise Goodwin um, has opted out. Falcons have none. Giants, offensive tackle, Nate Solder, wide receiver, Damari Scott. Jaguars, Laurenti McRae, Al Woods. Uh, Jets, offensive lineman, Lee Kalamatongi. And linebacker, C.J. Mosley for the Jets. The Lions have John Atkins, Geronimo Allison, wide receiver. Uh, Packers have Devin Funches, Panthers Jordan Mack. And then here's the big asterisk, the Patriots. Right, running back Brandon Bolden, our offensive tackle Marcus Cannon, safety Patrick Chung, linebacker Dante Fowler, wide receiver Marquise Lee, offensive lineman Najee Torin, fullback Danny Vitale, uh, tight end Matt Lacoste. Lacoste. Eight players, Raiders none, Rams none, Ravens have two, Saints two, Seahawks one, Steelers none, Texas one, Titans one, and Vikings one. The Titans have Anthony McKinney, offensive tackle, stepping out. But uh, I I look at this Patriots and I'm like, 
how are they doing this? Like, what? <laughs> I don't know what this says about my feelings for the Patriots. I don't know what this says about my feelings for Bill Belichick. But I'm like, how are they using this? How are they spinning this to be a positive for the Patriots? I, I don't know if, if Bill Belichick is doing this because he understands uh, that this is probably going to be a building year at some level, and this is these are additional ways to validate the fact that they're they're tanking for a top draft pick to try to replace what is a uh, uh, an all time kind of quarterback in Tom Brady. Not that I'm a Brady fan, but I, I can believe where he was. So eight players. There's the rest of their division doesn't have eight players that's opted out. And now, granted, there's still some weeks before the season starts, but I'm sitting here and I'm going, this is just two Patriots. What what angle do I not understand? What 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 side of this do I not understand? And I don't know that there is one, but all I can say is I didn't realize that uh, Foxborough was a, as big of a hotbed. And maybe it's maybe it's circumstantial. Maybe it's a situation to where a lot of these guys have, because uh, it doesn't say whether these are are the the at risk guys or if they're the the guys that are just opting out because they feel better doing so. So this might be a perfect storm of a few of them. Uh, just don't want to play in the scenario, and then a few of them are are medically really at risk. Uh, so I, I, it's hard to say that, and I hate to put that on them, but I, I hope I'm not the only one. And if I if I am, then I don't want to apologize because I really I really do feel this way. <laughs> I feel like Bill Belichick and the Patriots are figuring out a way to do something. But Dante Hightower uh, stepping out, C.J. Mosley stepping out. Those are former SEC guys. Uh, those those things I'm kind of I'm interested in. Marquise Lee, former SC guy, um, I'm interested as far as this goes because talking, you know, I'm a big Broncos fan, so I followed them pretty closely and really uh, very minimal impact to the to the Broncos in this whole mix. Kyle Pico, uh, defensive lineman, he's a, he's a step out, but but at the same rate, I think he has some uh, some family risk. So uh, I see that that take, but. Really, that that all the rest of the 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 franchises have two at most, and then the uh, and then the uh, the the Patriots have eight. Like I said, that's that's so Patriots. Oh, and by the way, the Washington football team has one at Caleb Brantley, uh, a defensive lineman. They actually were below the the advertisement at the bottom of the page. That's that's hilarious. That that tells you all you need to know about where Washington sits right now in the hierarchy of the NFL. But, uh, you know, I think the NFL's worried that players are going to take advantage of this. Um, you know, who players who fear getting cut could opt out and attempt to secure a salary, but that strategy comes with a, a significant caveat. Uh, basically, players who opt out but don't make the team next year will reportedly have to pay the stipend back, making it unlikely that that strategy would work. But NFL teams reportedly don't want to chase down players for that stipend. But if the Detroit Lions showed us anything with both Barry Sanders and Calvin Johnson, NFL might might go the way of asking teams uh, or asking players uh, to pay it back. Devin McCourty was not excited about the NFL moving the opt-out date. Uh, acts like that's an absolute joke. Uh, I think I think it's all about what's on the table for you. And and I think I'm not I'm not disputing that it is a joke by Devin McCourty. Uh, what I'm saying is is Devin McCourty's cup is definitely half empty when it comes to the NFL, and the NFL's cup is half empty 
when it comes to players opting out. So I think that dispute, that discussion, is one that won't fit into an hour. But we've hit the top of the hour. We're going to get back to SB Nation at the top. But if you're if you're on your way to work or on your way home, take care, be safe, and, yes, grind on. We'll see you tomorrow. You don't want to miss it.